0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward Rick Barry from behind the line. They put him again. It's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. Rick Barry here. I'm really excited to have my cohort in crime with me, Cyrus Satchis, with us. And we are joined by one of the great Warriors players of all time. Yes, the uh, lefty himself, Chris Mullen, is joining us. So, Chris, thanks so much for taking Woo! the time. Appreciate it. <laughs> Rick, my pleasure.
0: Great to see you. You yeah. look great.
1: Yeah, always great to see you, too. So <laughs> I, I want to get started up because I don't know how people understand how people wind up getting into their profession. I know for me, it was baseball and then you know I had a whole big story about it. How, how did Chris Mullen get into basketball?
2: All right, time to take a quick break to talk to you about our official sponsor, Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, just use our promo code believe 50 that's bleav A V five zero to receive your bonus. I've been having some fun myself betting on NBA action, especially the Warriors and their hot start. And BetOnline's where I do it. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts.
0: Yeah, and I've heard you mention this, Rick. A lot of times it's it's right in our house. So my older brother uh, started playing CYO basketball. I, had, I was playing baseball and I was swimming at that time. And I stumbled up to St. Thomas Aquinas, which is the local school on Flatbush Avenue, watched him practice. And I said, I didn't even know they had teams for basketball. So <laughs> that was my that was my introduction to it. And he was my idol. My, my, my older brother, Rod, was an incredible athlete. Uh, so he really paved the way for me and opened up uh, opened up a lot of doors to me in basketball.
1: Yeah. Well, that's insane. My brother got started when he was nine. I was five. So I wanted to do everything my older brother did. So thank God he got interested in basketball, I guess. So that's pretty cool. But you also had another hero as you were growing up and getting older. And I know I wore 24 because of Willie Mays and my baseball love early in my career. And 17 was yours. So why 17? Yeah. Again, in my local neighborhood, my grade school
0: coach, Jack Alisi uh, and Rick, you know, back then games weren't on as much as they are now. So we got we got saturated with Nick Celtics. That's really what we watched growing up in New York. Um, So I love those Nick teams with, with Walt Frazier, Willis Reed. That was, you know, that's who we watched, but my grade school coach loved the Celtics and he loved John Havlicek. And he would always tell me, just watch him, uh, watch the way he plays. Um, So lo and behold, you know, those were the games I watched. Uh, I thought his game it was really told me what he moves it out the basketball. He plays efficiently. He doesn't over dribble. All these things that we see now. Um, but Rick, I was thinking about this last night, and I, I'm probably going to get you going here. But could you imagine <laughs> if you played in New York or Boston at that point in time? Oh yeah, it would been insane. Big yeah. difference, but but I digress. But anyway, so it was introduced to me, and really as a teaching tool. I had I had tremendous coaches as a young kid. Not only the coaching of the fundamentals and skill work and all that, but the way I was introduced to the game, it was, there was no end point. I wasn't there to, you know, make money or get to the NBA. It was really as a, as a passion, as to each and every day get better. Try and beat that person today, and you know what? You come back tomorrow, yes, it didn't mean anything. You got to prove it all over again. That's the way I was introduced to the game of
1: basketball. Right. And so as you watched Havlicek and said, what do you think the most important things that you learned from watching John play that he, that came over to your game?
0: Uh, moving without the ball, being able to play with four other players and not standing still uh, the variety of shots, much like yourself, 15 foot off the, off the glass bank shots, um, perpetual motion passing or just, just the total team game. Um Again, watching the Celtics and the Knicks, and you remember this, you know, Red Holtzman, I remember their their motto was hit the open man. I just move the basketball. So that's the way I was taught. Um, and after – through grade school, actually, and ironically, I was talking to him the other night about you a lot, Coach Karnaseca, you know, reinforced all those values. You know, so the, so the Knicks and Celtics had a huge influence, I think, on the way the game was played, especially on the East Coast at that point in time. Um, but – let me let me just tell you this, Rick. So Coach Karnasek, they put a statue up on, on campus last week.
2: Oh, I really? couldn't make it
0: back. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't make it back. So I called him the night before. We spoke for an hour. Yeah. About 30 minutes about Rick Barry. Because I didn't <laughs> you talk about you talk about John Havlicek and Walt the, the people I saw. I was introduced to Rick Barry at Coach Karnaseca's basketball camp because most of his lectures were about you the fundamentals no seriously and the greatness and i remember like little things that pop in my mind which we hear all the time he said rick barry never had two bad games in a row ever mm, mm. if he had if he had a bad game that next game was trouble for the opponent because he was in the, he was in the gym getting ready to you know to correct his you know his mistakes um told me some funny stuff and i want to see if, how close so rick you went to university of miami Who was your first game? Who was your first game against as a freshman?
1: I didn't play as a freshman. We played. We had. Oh, oh,
0: your okay. Your first game as a as a
1: collegiate. You know, as as a sophomore. I don't. I really be honest with you. I don't remember, but I do remember going up and setting the record at St. John's for points scored for the opponent. I remember that. Thirty nine points. Yeah. Right.
0: So, coach. (laughs) Right. I mean, he's he's Rick. He's ninety six now. He was like, I don't know how we missed him. He was over in New Jersey. And they said there was another local kid with the last name Barry. I don't know if that's my
1: my cousin, Jim Barry was at, uh, yeah, he was, he was there at the, uh, over in, over in New Jersey, St. Peter's. So
0: so, so everyone was recruiting
1: him and Rick was up the street. Yeah. And listen, he
0: coach told me that the way Miami found out about you was a waiter for mama
1: Leone's Uh, Yeah, Aldo Aldo, Aldo Leone. Uh, Is that true? Is that true? Oh yeah. Aldo Leone. Was a name. <laughs> he loved basketball. Aldo, the only and he loved Miami. And He knew Bruce Hale, and he and a coach from Saint uh, Elizabeths. I think or, I think it was Saint Elizabeths. Uh, the Buzzy Fox in, New, in Elizabeth, New Jersey, had told him about me, and that's kind of how they how they found me. Yeah, I, I wasn't like a household name doing that. But, but hey, when I finished high school, my last basketball game as a senior, I hadn't turned seventeen.
0: <laughs> well listen what one thing is it's amazing the way it turned out but also at 97 coach remembered it like it was yesterday like how did i miss this guy but he got to coach but he got to coach at the aba he talked about you guys being down 3-1 to the kentucky colonels (laughs) and coming back and beating him
1: yeah well i got sick in one of the games and couldn't make the game i was in bed listening and watching i had the flu and uh, Johnny Roach just played a, a great game in that game. And we came back and, and won that game a, at home and then we're able to make the comeback. But Louie was great. I mean, he always said, he said, God, he said, just killed me when you left Rick. <laughs> but I had such <laughs> great wow. respect for him. I had such great respect for him. He always said the right things. And here's the thing about him that I like more than anything, Chris. He didn't think he had all the answers. He actually would talk to the veterans, Billy Melchione, and myself, and, and, Ask our opinion about how many coaches have you had that asked your opinion about how you think things should be done?
0: Yeah, Probably not many. No, most
1: of most them of are know-it-alls. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> that's,
1: that's, that's, true. that's true. So let's move on. So now you go and you have your great career at St. John's, you're All-American this, All-American that. I think every team that was out there, you were a part of it, you're player of the year, all the stuff in college. Great success. And then where were you hoping you would get drafted? Probably the Knicks, I would assume, mm-hmm. huh?
0: Yeah, so I had never really left New York much, you know, went on a few trips here and there, but uh, yeah, so in my mind, it would be be nice to stay home, I come from a great family and things were in place, so, um, and obviously the draft.
1: They screwed you because they took away the territorial draft that they used to have back when I played. (laughs) No, Seriously. Territorial guy in a certain area that that had rights to him. That was Bill Bradley when I was there. And I I never let the Knicks forget about that. I don't know if you had somebody that you got picked before you and you're saying, what the hell is that? But (laughs) you went out to San Francisco. It wasn't your place, but your career as great as it was, it wasn't like it was all nirvana and it wasn't like it was just great for you. I mean, you had to fight off some demons. You want to tell the people about that and, and what you had to do to get your act together.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Rick. And, and this is well documented. But uh, and it, it started way before I went to the Bay Area. It had nothing to do with the Bay Area. It was all about me and myself and my habits, uh, my, my, my DNA. It's a genetic uh, disposition with, with addiction and alcoholism. So, you know, I, I had that going on already when I was drafted um, and had to deal with, with, my, with myself and, and come to grips with the fact that I had a problem, I needed help um so it, it's funny how you know now i've been living in the bay area since 1985 uh the area hasn't changed i changed i made a big change <laughs> in my i made a big change in my life um i went to rehab actually i'm in la now to, at Centinella hospital and really got in touch with my emotions my feelings um and how to deal with them and how to, how to actually feel my feelings as opposed to uh, drinking and, and, and numbing your feelings so you don't feel anything and you don't have to deal with anything. Um, so, you know, looking back, um, it was probably the best thing that happened to me. You know, a lot of people, you know, I know at that point in time, I felt like I had let my teammates down, let my family down, and it was the end of something. In actuality, it was the beginning of my life. I was blessed to be able to start my life over, uh, recommit myself, uh, be accountable, be um, accountable be responsible and then each you know day by day I gained respect uh first of myself I trusted myself and then in turn other people were able to trust me and respect me so it it was a it was a long journey Um, but you know when you go through things like that I was blessed to have a great family uh coaches teammates that 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 cared for me to make it easier Um, but also, it, it, what I learned it had nothing to do with New York or San Francisco or the Warriors or the Knicks. It had nothing to do with that. It was all about me um, being able to deal with life on life's terms. And it sounds simple, but when you go down, when you start making bad decisions, that they become your habits, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and the and the outcomes you don't want to deal with, so you kind of you disappear. and um, so, like I said it's been it's been over. 35 years um, that I've lived that way and it's been a blessing it really has and uh, like I said the the thing that comes to mind the people that supported me helped me um, and now to be able to have relationships that really matter not not those uh, fake relationships of hanging out yeah superficial exactly
1: so in going through everything that you went through what was the most difficult part for you Going through that,
0: yeah. When you peel out, when you peel out, uh layers back of experiences, um, you know, things you did not want to deal with would be death. You know, um, fear. You know, um, insecurities. Just, just the basic uh, daily, daily things that that everyone goes through, but for some reason, I did not want to deal with, mm-hmm. and then that became my habit of not dealing with anything. Um, so, you know, being unhappy, you know, I didn't want to be unhappy. So, you know, you go out and drink a few beers and all of a sudden you, you think you're happy, but you're just burying those feelings. So, uh, being able to just let those things out and deal with them and, and, and really to me dealing with bad times, you know, I had mm. had no problem dealing with, you know, feeling good, but if I didn't feel good, I try to use something to make me feel good. So, um, again, being able to live life without substances and alcohol. Um, you know, it's the it's the greatest gift I received really uh, through some adversity, of course, of course. But, you know, looking back, uh, like I say, was it was the beginning of my new life, not not the end of something.
1: Congratulations on your doing that and putting it all together because obviously you turned yourself into one of the great players of all time. And we, we do know and I think you would admit it, you weren't the fastest guy. You weren't the best jumper in the world, all right. I mean, but what is it that you knew and you were able to do to give you an advantage over your opponent?
0: Yeah, again, I think studying players like yourself, Rick, and John Havlicek, and, and using screens, relying on, on on my teammates, you know, not not trying to play by myself, Um and when you say like, so when you when, when you never fast and you never jump, that's really not a disadvantage. That's that's how you play. Uh, I always played at. A, I remember playing, and I don't know, if, you know, you're a much better player and, and much more athletic. But when you when uh, uh, someone defending me would be like, like what are you doing? Like you're so off kilter. Like the, the slow <laughs> speed act. And if, if you listen to, like baseball players, you know hitters. Or even when, when great players get in the zone, they talk about everything slowed down. Mm-hmm. So in actuality, on the offensive end, I think it was the, it was a advantage to play slow because I think more you, you get to see more opportunities. You're not going so fast. Defensively, I wouldn't say it was an advantage. That, that's, that's where you really need speed, length, athleticism, lateral quickness. But offensively, I always felt I never felt at a disadvantage offensively. Well,
2: Defensively,
1: I think- Yeah, no, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm just going to jump on a point here is that one of the things that players do when you go to work with young players is say, don't try to do it at 125 miles an hour. I mean, the the more deliberate you are in your movements, the more you're going to get the defense to react. And then because if you're intelligent, knowing the game, and I try to explain to people, you don't have to beat a guy. You only got to get a half a step and get him on your shoulder and you own him. And because of your doing it deliberately, you can get that guy to do it. All you got to do is do a little lean forward and you take that step forward and you own him, right? He's on your shoulder. Yeah. And, and, it's also
0: as important change of speed and change of direction as it is what speed you're going at. So you change those speeds, you change directions. And like you say, Rick, you get someone on your hip, now you control him. Now you have, a, you have an advantage. You know, that guy's behind you, you just keep him there. And I think when you go slower, more you get more looks at more options as mm-hmm. opposed to just pass and shoot quick. Like you can maybe bait a guy off, you know, slow dribble, make a defender commit, drop a pass off for a little, for a little layup kick out for an open shot so yeah I always felt offensively was an advantage for me and like I said defensively then you had to really anticipate more be in the right place uh team defense. ahead of time I
1: understand team team defenses, did, yeah. but wins exactly. championships not individual defense so if you don't know who this is folks here in the Rick Barry show with Cyrus is my cohort in crime uh it is obviously the great Chris Mullen and we're delighted to have him joining us here so It wasn't all, you know, peaches and cream in your first years doing stuff. Then you had struggling. The team didn't do particularly well. You went through some tough times. I mean, I read some of the stuff you there that your own teammates weren't even throwing you the ball when you were wide open and you had problems with coaches and whatever, but finally it it did get to turn around. What was the turning point and the most fun for you on the teams that you played for with the warriors?
0: Yeah. So the number one thing is what we talked about. I changed.
1: That was the number one
0: thing. Um, But then at that point in time, and Rick, you 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 were doing uh, TBS at that point in time. You you would come through once in a while. You, the, the team was kind of a mess. Uh, there was ownership change, which which was a you know you played for Franklin. Franklin was a great guy, but the league was changing. You know there, there was they were infusing more money. Um, so we had the owners from Milwaukee came out and bought the team. Jim Fitzgerald and Dan Finam. Right. Uh, oh, they, yeah, they were yeah. very success very successful with the Milwaukee Bucks. In turn, they brought Don Nelson, who was their coach in Milwaukee. So it was a huge change. Uh, Nelly cleared out that roster, uh, was fortunate enough to draft Mitch Richmond and then Tim Hardaway in back to back drafts. And that's when things turned around. Yeah. Um, didn't last long enough. Yeah, but when you get, when you add, you know, a infusion of young, talented uh, players that love to play, that was, that was the thing. When I got there, you know, it was probably the Clippers and the Warriors at that point in time. Probably the two worst franchises. Oh, they yeah. were losing. Oh, guys yeah. didn't want to. Guys <laughs> didn't want to play there, and you could feel it. You could feel it. Um, guys did did not want to be at, at that position. So when Nelly came in, I think he just felt that. Got got new young players that wanted to be there. Uh, so yeah. So to me, Tim and Mitch really helped turn my uh, career around. Uh, not, not only. On the court, statistically, and, but just having fun. Like, mm-hmm. find, finding, finding other guys that want to come to practice, want to stay late after practice. If there's an off day, we're going to come in and work out together and, and have that, you know, competition to help each push each other, to, you know, to, to make each other better. And that's what I was used to. It went away. But, man, I'll tell you, when it came back, I was, I was energized. I was
1: so happy, so excited. Um, just didn't last long enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, usually never, usually never does for most people. Cyrus
2: <laughs> well, you know, speaking of that, that, that group you were talking about, Chris, and I want to, I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am to be speaking to not one, but two Warriors legends and hall of famers. Uh, it's it's incredible. Um, but in your opinion, if they didn't break run TMC up, I mean, no disrespect to Billy Owens, but he just never lived up to that, that number three draft pick uh, hype. How far do you think your team would have gone? I mean, the Dub Nation was so bummed when that trade occurred. I think we all collectively knew it was just a mistake to break you guys up so soon. But do, do, could you, do you think if, if the right pieces were brought in, you, were, you would have reached like a championship? I and mean, what was the ceiling for a Run TMC?
0: Oh, Cyrus, nice, nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's all hard to tell, right? The league was way different back then. You really They were still playing with two bigs, definitely at least one legitimate yeah. center. So that, that was the problem we had. We, we, you know, we only, we only played two seasons together, which is pretty hard to imagine. So you think about that, just, just two seasons. And like you said, there's, there's a lot of people that, you know, they remember those years as fun and exciting, but we didn't get to the other part. So Mm -hmm. that's an empty feeling. You know, Mitch, Tim and I, we always juice it up. Like, yeah, we would have won championships. Who knows, right? Who knows? But uh, we definitely would have had, I think a lot more success, obviously. uh, the long, if we kind of tinkered around the trio as opposed to pulling, pulling a big part of that and Mitch Richmond out of there. But, I mean, it's all something we can talk about and have fun with, but yes. no one really knows. But I will say this. If we were playing today's game, they would not oh. touch those three. They would, they would not break up that trio because now, you know, guys six five six six are playing the bulk of the minutes at center. So it would have worked perfectly. As Rick said, you know, 30 years too late. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah exactly so you've had a lot of wonderful uh, opportunities in your life uh, some great experiences I'm, I'm just curious for you to give us a little bit of insight as to how the experience was to be on the greatest basketball team ever assembled yes. the dream team and being a part of that what was that like for you yeah each and every day um you know when that team
0: was selected it was it was really to me a, a crowning moment for my basketball career, but also Rick, as we just talked earlier in Cyrus, from where I came from. So in, in 1987, December 13th, 1987 is when I was in rehab through, through the new year into 88. So now you're talking about just four years later. So December, I was sitting in a hospital trying to get my life together mm-hmm. and ded- not playing any basketball, just really trying to re- reconfigure my life. And then just four years later. I'm named to the dream team so to me personally uh it was a it was a such a huge um reinforcement of what i was doing with my life was the right thing and then historically and rick you mentioned a little bit you you were left off that olympic team and coach karnaseka bought that up you know yeah. what what a, what a what a travesty that was but they they also had didn't they have like separate spots that were had
1: quota in. systems back then yeah, des-
0: designated them. for the for, yeah. the armed to, forces.
1: Yeah. Armed forces, the NAIA. And so you had to take certain people from there and it was a pre selected thing. It was like the biggest disappointment in life. You know, the great Joe Lapchick comes up to me after yeah. the last. it was at St. John's that we played our last yeah. game. The yeah. tournament. And he comes up to, he you, says, young man, I just want to tell you, you're not going to make the Olympic team but you're going to be a great pro basketball player. And I'm going, well, wait a second. I thought they were supposed to look, and I thought I played pretty damn good. And so he already knew that I wasn't going to be on the Olympic team. And so that's, you know, I had to deal with that. Fortunately for you, you had the chance to be there. I had one time in my life, I had USA on my chest playing against a Soviet team in Indianapolis. And I never felt so proud of being American as when I heard that national anthem with USA on my chest. So what was that like for you to have USA on your chest And of course you had no competition. I mean, it was just, you know, kind of a cool thing. Nobody had a chance to ever beat you guys, but standing there on that podium, they're playing the national anthem. You have the gold medal around your neck. What was that like?
0: Yeah. Like you said, it's the most emotional feeling in sports. It really is. And, you know, we we played long time and different levels, but I can still feel it right now. And you were there, you were in Mm -hmm. Barcelona, you were, you were hanging out with us a lot and just the incredible. And the it was the first time, like you said, Rick, in the past, you had to be fortunate that your class came at the right time. I played in 84 as a college student, um, but you didn't know if you were going to, the timing, which we don't have control of, but to be, you know, the first time NBA players were eligible to play in the NBA, uh, all the legendary historic players on that roster. And I can still see myself standing up there looking, looking to my right and seeing Charles Barkley, my left, Magic, and Larry, and Mm. just having, this is something that's never going to be done, you know, the first time ever. And uh, like you said, the competition was, was not what we were about. It was really about going out there, setting a high, setting a high bar for the teams behind us. And we talked about that pregame a lot, like let's play this game the right way, share the basketball, include everybody, play an incredible brand of team
1: basketball. Um, and I think we did that. You did. You guys certainly did do that. And it was great to great to see and to watch. And it was done by a guy by the name of Boris Stankovich, who was the guy that convinced the Olympic committee to let you guys play the pros. And he said, look, the only way the world competition is going to get better is if they play against the best. Mm. And it didn't take the international basketball world to get to the point where they could compete with us and really do well. It wasn't like you just walk on there, put your sneaks on and your jock and whatever, and you're going to be ready to go. I mean, and you're going to, you're going to win the game. So um, yeah, that was a cool thing to see. I, I love being there. I love watching it. I used to hang out with you guys because you guys got all this thing. You took the bus, you got police escorts to go to the track, mate. <laughs> except so my wife running usa basketball i jump i said honey let's go we get on the bus and so we go with you guys they go down in the tunnel we get over there i was just i was freeloading all the time but you know what i like most of i i pin traded that's right i remember that i, mean, I remember the, that Dream team pins were the hottest thing in barcelona People were offering me five, six, seven other pins and stuff to get a dream team pin, and I, of course, and <laughs> my wife running there, I had a great stash of pins, and I got a and great. And Rick,
0: cloth. I remember you would show up with, with with the cloth, with them all on your cloth. That's right. Over there in trade, yeah, the towel. Right. Yep, I remember that. I remember right.
1: that. It uh. <laughs> <laughs> was cool. That was really cool. Chris Mullen joining us here on the Rick Barry Show and just kind of reminiscing about the illustrious career that that Chris uh, had enjoyed and the, the trials and tribulations he went through to get to this point. And let's talk a little bit about the game today. What do you like or dislike about the game, the way it's being played today? Yeah, I love the athleticism, the speed and quickness, the uh,
0: dynamic play above the rim. Uh, the skill level is at an all-time high. ball handling, uh, incredible shot making. Uh, but I do think the one, you know, some teams do, it. you know, the style of play. The isolation over dribbling, strictly
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, one-on-ones, you know, and with everyone just standing around the three-point line, uh, sometimes it feels like it's really just a three-point shooting contest. Um, and I, I still look at, you know, I love love shooting, love three-point shots, I love all that, but those shots are created, how they're generated mm-hmm. through teamwork. That I, I still look for the, you know, I love, that's why I love watching the Warriors. You know, Steph Curry. Uh, yeah, when He's you know going to go down as the greatest shooter of all time. I love the, the variety. He plays on the ball. He plays off the ball. When he's off the ball, he sets screens for his teammates. Uh, he opens up opportunities for his teammates. So um, I still like the ball movement, passing, screening. Um, I think they're getting back to a little bit. I thought Houston's style of play was, was just really spotted. You know, it became hard to watch for me actually. Uh, yeah, so, get, yeah. Yeah, getting, getting, get, 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 getting back to you know ball movement, you know using your teammates, incorporating all five players. Uh, that that's what I li- like to watch. Um, so I th- it got a little to me top heavy with just ISO, basically launching three point shots, not not yes. taking quality shots.
1: You're you're absolutely right. And I told people when I when the first time Cleveland and when the Warriors played or the start of that great five year run. I was writing for the Examiner, and so I charted the games. Do it in the first game. This is amazing to me. Sixty-nine possessions by the Cleveland Cavaliers, zero
2: or one pass. Oh, that's insane. That is insane. I have to ask both of you, by the way, if you two played in today's games, what would your scoring average be? Because I, I, I mean, you two were some of the best shooters ever. So if if this style was going on, and you two in your prime, what are you averaging? Well, I like
1: well, to first. Yeah.
0: Cyrus. First of all, let's let's uh, separate Rick and I. Rick, Rick is the <laughs> the whole, and I'm sure you know this. The only player ever. So it's not going to happen again. Right there, the only player ever to lead the NCAA, ABA, and NBA in scoring. So don't compare us. Don't put us in the same category. Okay. <laughs> this guy, this guy is the most underrated superstar player of all time. In my you both
2: you both no, are you Rick both no
0: no 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 Again, don't put him in, don't put us together fair enough, fair enough. okay he he's <laughs> way up there that's that's just thats that that's just a fact that's not you know because
1: it's the Rick Barry podcast that's, okay, that's okay fact. so yes, yeah okay that's very nice of oh, you so, say. so so Rick Rick already. average loves I would have loved to have played with you because you played the game the right way. And you talked about it. You were lucky enough to have the people when you, who got their hands on you when you started, who put down the fundamental foundation to build on. And then you had the the natural talent and ability to put the time and the effort and the work into it, to be able to take that and turn it into the career that you had. That's what made it work for you. Right. So,
0: so, so Cyrus, you're quite, Rick, you know, he averaged up in mid to high 30. So he, he, I think he'd probably be, you know, would be 40, could be, I definitely could be, but I think his efficiency is always there. So mm-hmm. so Rick is one of those plays. It doesn't matter what generation. You know, sometimes I want to say the greatest of all time. That's the craziest, you know, all these, Thank you. you know, I don't even <laughs> understand. What, I don't even know what that means. Every, every day is the greatest play of all time. But when you have great plays like Rick Barry, it doesn't matter what generation, the three ball, the free throw, Mm-hmm. Drawing fouls, playing defense, assists—it's all there. So, um, I think again, they probably would have won more championships. Rick played on a team—the the greatest upset of all time. I agree with that, Rick. In sports history, I
1: they agree. were supposed wow. to
0: get—they were supposed to get swept, yeah—and they swept and they swept. We, we weren't—we
1: weren't even supposed to be a playoff team.
0: <laughs> they didn't—they <laughs> did, didn't have—they they didn't have a date for the gym. They—they—they—they they, they, they sold the gym. They gave the gym away. They, they would be there. They had to play some, right, good. Rick? <laughs>
1: Yeah, but, but here's the thing, I, to be honest with you, to answer your question, Cyrus, be honest with you, I think I would probably score less, huh. and here's why, no, here's why, because the quality of the players coming in today, they shoot the ball so well, and they can do so many different things, and, and Chris, I don't know how you would feel, but I tell people, if I could come back and play today, I'd be a point guard, mm-hmm. because I was quick enough and faster than our guards, and I, they always said I could handle the ball, well, I could have learned to do a lot of the other things, but I can control the destiny of the team. And I love making a good pass to a teammate for an easy basket more so than I did ever scoring. Mm. And I would be a point guard and I would score less points, but I would be more productive for our team to help us win games playing point
2: guard. I really believe that. But you had no yeah, three well, point line, right? In your days, you had no three point line back then. And you're still no, putting no. up all those points. When I scored the 37, no, there was no three point shot then. That's crazy. And Chris, but the
1: other I mean, thing
0: too, yeah, Rick, it's a, you know, you yeah, point guard, well fire you be posi- you were positions you were because you were scorer assist man steal guy so this this style of play <clears throat> you would just be out there making plays I, like I said your assist would go up but I think those teams you played on would have went deeper and probably won a few more championships.
1: Yeah, well, if I had stayed with the team with Nate Thurman and all those guys <clears> to <throat> Philadelphia in 67, it would have been pretty interesting to see what we could have done over there. But Hey, that's ancient history. You, know, <laughs> you had an opportunity. Uh, what's the biggest disappointment for you in your, in your career? Um, what would that be?
0: Um, Jeez. It's hard. It's hard to be anything but grateful. Mm-hmm. Really. I, I truly believe that. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, Rick. I always remember the losses. The wins you enjoy them when they happen, but the losses they just seem to come up. Like when you're thinking about things, even through college, you know, we got to the Final Four. We lost to Georgetown. Those those things stick out. Um, you know, playoff games that we lost to the Lakers, although they were better than us, they still they just stick out. The games that you come yeah. up short are the ones you remember. But in totality, um, man, just just blessed. Really, I mean. When it's all said and done, being able to sit here with you, right? Being able to – a person I heard about when I was a kid and getting to know you, getting to know your boys. Um, we're going to have Tim Hardaway on Wednesday at the Warrior game, Mitch Richmond, you know, so the, the friends and relationships. And I think when you get older, it means more. When you're a kid, you think that's like a cliche. It's the relationships you make, but it truly is that. You talk with Vic about your teammates, Clifford Ray, the guys you – they're like brothers, man, they're family. Yeah. And that, that's what really, you know, like I said, talking to Coach saying he's 96 years old. He was talking about Rick Barry like he was yesterday. <laughs> so to, to me, those things, that, that's what it's all about. It truly uh-huh. is. Uh, last week, Brent was in town in the Bay Area. He was over scouting for the Spurs. I went to sit with him at St. Mary, watched the practice together, talked about the times we spent together. So I couldn't even think um, of anything but being grateful. Yeah, do I remember the losses, and do I wish you know I would have wanted to? Yes, I do. There's a lot that I wish I would have done, but you know what? Far outweighed by incredible opportunities, experiences, and 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 great people that have helped me throughout my life.
1: Well, folks, you're hearing Chris Mellon and and I can tell you now, having talked to a lot of great players in a lot of other sports, the overwhelming majority of them feel the same way that you remember the things that you didn't do well and the losses that you had way more than you do the other ones because you expected to do the other things. You didn't expect to play poorly. You didn't expect to lose close games. I mean when I just talked to me, I was just with some people at dinner last night in a function I was doing Johnny Bench at a charity golf event. And we're sitting at dinner afterwards and they're all asking me questions at all. And I said, well, not that I can remember, but I can remember exactly where on the court I was, exactly what the situation was, the two two pick and roll plays with Nate Thurman and Will Chamberlain in 67, that if they go our way instead of his, we win the title probably. I mean, those are the things that just stick in my brain as if there was yesterday. (laughs) And thank God I can still remember them. So that's a good thing. Anyway, so uh, what is your what is your responsibilities and stuff now uh, with with the Warriors? What is what is your main role?
0: Yeah, I'm doing pre and post for NBC Sports Bay Area. Having a blast with the uh, Darrell Wright and, and Bonte Hill. And uh, I love seeing you. I man. Mean,
2: love seeing you. All yeah, there. They, nah, um, we, we
0: we we have a lot of fun. This year's team is going to be really good. I think they're gonna, by the time the end of the season rolls around, they they're going to be a tough tough out in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, get to watch Steph Curry every night, which is a treat, and. Uh, yeah, so the, I'm loving it. And Rick, you know, the off days, like tomorrow I'm off, I'll go play Round Hill, your, your favorite course in the Bay Area there. <laughs> no, not my favorite
1: course. I, I never played Round Hill Country Club ever without hitting at least one ball out of bounds. In fact, one time I went out and I hit nothing but an eight iron off the tee. I said, I'm not hitting the ball out of bounds. I got to the 15th hole. Yeah, it was the 15th hole. I hit an eight iron, hit it, a little fade. It caught the cart path and went dead right freaking out of <laughs> <laughs> Not that I that <laughs> but what you got to do, Chris? You got You got to get into pickleball. <laughs> oh, I
0: play, I'm playing. Yeah. I'm playing. I'm playing pickleball. I play. Good. Oh, there you go. I'm yeah. playing. Love it. Love it. Love yeah. it. Oh. Great
2: game. Oh yeah.
1: Okay. That's good. That's great. Glad to hear that because I'm into that big time now. Big time.
2: Oh, Rick's been hyping it up from the moment we started this podcast two years ago, Chris. It's he loves it. He's a champion. By the I'm way. in.
0: I'm in. Rick, if you come to the Bay Area, if you get out to Colorado, I'd love to play with you.
1: Oh. Yeah, you well know, that'd be fun. I'd, I'd definitely take you up on that if i get out there to do that but you get to play in some of these events and stuff because you're what now 50, what eight 58 so you can play 55 you play 55 to 59 uh against people but i've played in the 50s with partners even though i'm you know, a lot older than that but i've played in tournaments with guys that age and we've won so That's awesome it, it's it's <laughs> i just love the game i absolutely love it
2: <laughs> you so, anyway, know got i gotta I well, before Chris, before you, I, I just have a couple questions if you don't mind. First of all, uh, you know you two have been on our, uh, two of the most exclusive teams ever, right? Like Rick uh, or Chris, you were part of that 92 Dream Team, which some call the greatest team assembled in history and nothing will ever surpass it. Rick, you're now on the 75th anniversary team. Uh, Chris, you, Clay, and Draymond to me are three huge slights. Uh, do you feel slighted? What are your thoughts on not being part of the 75 team despite being part of the Dream Team? I feel like that's hypocrisy at its finest there that you're on this dream team, but for some reason you're not on the 75th. Does that bother you? Do you care? What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, it doesn't bother me. Like I said, I mean, all the things that, that happened to me, I'm grateful for that. Those players like Rick, <clears throat> you know, Wilt, all those, all those, that's a whole exclusive. That's a whole nother level. Um, so nothing but respect and admiration. And a lot of those players I admired and tried to emulate. So right. not, 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 not at all. Um, you know, I think when you, uh, Clay and Draymond, especially, they're still active. That competitive fire is still going. I just look back in in admiration and respect, and really, and like I said, being grateful to haven't even been associated with those people. Get to know my heroes. A lot of those guys are my heroes. I got to know them. I, I get to know them personally, and so that that's where I look at it. And like I said, it's a beautiful thing that. The league does uh, yeah. bring. I think it's important that these young players understand the history of the game. Yes, uh, and that every day is not the greatest, whatever greatest play. It's already happened, yeah. and, and people have people paved a, a trail for them to get to this point. And and Rick is one of those players. no question about it. So to me, um, like I said, I look at that list. It's it's an incredible list of history, and that's how I look at it. So not not one bit disappointed
1: slighted at all. Um, just grateful. Nice. And we you so make a, a very good case. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah, you can make yeah. a very good case if you wanted to, to go ahead and make a case that Chris would deserve to be on there. And I think the one thing about it is if he was good enough to be on the greatest team ever assembled, the dream team, and put up the numbers that he put up yeah. To, to, to not be a part of the 75 best players just doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense. So I'll, I'll throw my spot there for that. I mean, there None. are guys out there that I know and I'm not taking anything away from any of them. You probably get another 15 or 20 guys that would deserve to be in there. My biggest problem, what they did is they needed to take them from the errors. I mean, if you took it from the errors, when you play, there's no doubt you would be the person in that particular error when you play because you were one of the great small forwards in the history of the game during your time when you were playing. But to compare you back to me in the freaking 60s and 70s, what the hell, that's crazy. The game has evolved. The game has changed. And so that's where I think they missed the boat as far as being able to, to, to justify who would be on the team. It would have been great to take yeah. the top 20 players, or top 25 players in different eras.
2: Yeah, agreed. And I know, Chris, you got to run. I have to bring this up, though. You brought up CYO at the beginning of this show. That's how I first started playing basketball was in CYO. And my earliest memories were watching you and Sleepy Floyd. I mean, I remember that playoff game where Sleepy scored 39 and a half, 29 and a quarter, still the record to this day, which is incredible. Um, but I also remember you having this big old mop of hair. It was like orange. And then all of a sudden, one day, and I'm just a kid at this point, so I never knew what happened. But then all of a sudden, one day it was gone, and you have the buzz cut. You've had that to this day. Like, was there is there a story behind that, or just feel like there was a change? Like, what, what was going on there?
0: That's a good question, Cyrus. And it's actually pretty significant. Uh, that actually. Psst was the summer the first summer after I went through rehab okay and the first summer I decided to stay in the Bay Area Uh, so I was living in Alameda which Rick knows that's we we did mostly everything in the the East Bay there Alameda we practiced at College of Alameda so a friend of mine local guy I stayed out to work out to get my get myself in shape and get ready for the, uh, the next season and there was a local barber shop just in Alameda the razor's edge and this guy Dick used to cut all the raiders hair so i had to, like you said I had that big bush my buddy said "Man, uh-huh. just cut that off man get get yourself a flat top um so i've kept it because it coincided with my sobriety oh. uh it, it's kind of the, there's, there's a lot of significance there it's an ugly haircut i get it but, no, but it no, means no, a lot no, but, no. It, but it means a lot but it means a lot to me beyond beyond the look <laughs> well, it's, a, it's
1: a lot easier to manage that's for sure yeah <laughs> yeah, well, I guess all the best. Look forward to uh, to seeing yeah. you hopefully sometime during the course of the season. All the best to you and your family. May you have blessed holidays coming up, and uh, definitely go Warriors. And and thanks also for being so nice to my boys. They always told me how nice you were to them and the things that you did for them and talking to them. So I appreciate that as well.
0: Well, Rick, my pleasure. You're you're an incredible guy, um, and like I said, like get I, I feel like I know you more than I do because of introduction to Coach Conesecca. Your boys are a delight. I got to spend a lot of time with them, and uh God bless you guys. When you're Bay Area, Rick, let's play some pickleball. Oh
1: no, for sure, for sure, we have to do that. Then the only other thing on my agenda is I got to find a way to get my son Canyon to be playing in the NBA. I just don't understand why he's not there. But anyway, that's all. No I story. agree. <laughs> and Chris, anything you like play? to promote, you, you, you reached sure. out to me. Said you didn't. Re- I mean, he can really play. Yes, I mean, he can. Yes, he the, can.
2: Anything you like Especially, to promote, Chris? Uh, you got b- business ventures in the Bay Area, restaurants? I mean, anything you want to promote? Uh, we, we're starting to get an audience here, so shoot away, please. No,
0: nah, just uh, promote healthy living, man. Okay. <laughs> all That's right. it. Sounds good. <laughs> stay, stay happy. Stay healthy, man. That's what it's all about.
1: All right. All the best. Have a safe trip back hi, Rick. On. Say hi Thanks, to everybody. Man. Thanks so much what for taking you. Good to Chris. Such My, such pleasure. Pleasure. My pleasure. All right. My pleasure. See you, Chris. Bye-bye. See you. Thanks. Wow, all right.
2: Rick. Thanks, no, oh, I'm, I'm breathing again. Wow, man. That's, I don't know. If, you have no idea what it's like from my perspective, Rick, to be sitting here with two of the greatest Warriors players ever, two of the greatest players to play this game ever, two hall of famers. My God, you've made my day. Thank you, sir. How, how does it feel in your head? Like
1: about doing this Cyrus. I can tell you having done 50 plus years of broadcasting. Yeah. There is no doubt in my mind that Chris Mullen talking to me is going to be far more interesting to people because you don't, you, when you just talk to somebody who is a sports announcer or doing something, you are always cautious about what you're saying, what's going on and doing it. There's just not a feeling of camaraderie, um, a bond that you kind of have, and a re- mutual respect that you have. And I've always believed that that's the most interesting stuff that you can do in broadcasting is to have a chance to sit down with somebody like Chris Mullen, who I admire. And basically, it's that you people were able to sit in and eavesdrop on Chris and I just having a
2: conversation. Yes, exactly. Yep. You know, so, oh, man, that's that's if you love basketball, I don't know how you cannot love that. Um, rick, you can follow Rick Barry on all social media platforms at rick 24 Uh You got Medicile, if you're promoting, you got Ghost Sleeve, you're promoting, you got Biogenesis, you're promoting. Anything else you'd like to throw in there, Rick, uh, before we end this oh, fantastic no, podcast?
1: I'm going to get another thing for, there's another one that the other one is pills, the biogenesis, but I'm getting one that's a powder form. That's just going to be really incredible too. And we'll talk more about that on another show uh, and see where we, uh, see where we're able to to go with that. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's always fun. That was great. Uh, Chris is awesome. He's one of those guys that I put into the category of almost like an anomaly I mean, really? you know, there was not many players like I mean, like you say, he wasn't the fastest guy, the quickest guy, the biggest jumper and everything, but like Larry Bird, he was like a Larry Bird. I mean, he knew what to do with the talent that he had and understood the game. Yeah. And it was really fun, you know, to watch, uh, to watch him play. And uh, it was great to hear stuff. Louis two, he loved him and I love Louis as well. <laughs>
2: Well, so, in the, for the and the younger generation, I don't think they understand, Rick, your greatness. Like you see players like Mullen coming in, I can't believe he's fifty-eight and you're seventy-seven. That's just mind-blowing to me. You, you, you both look so much younger, uh, and just the fact that time flies is just a symbol of that. But it, I, the younger generation just, I don't think, understands how great of a player you were. And 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 it's it's I love having these other Hall of Famers coming in who are just the generation below you, or you know, a few few years below you recognizing that acknowledging it because Actually, like two, some two, two generations in this case <laughs> that's, two, that's, two decades. that's two
1: decades and it was really <laughs> the things that he said but the problem is is that the people who are doing some of their voting and everything if they're not an older person who was around and got to see a Will chamberlain in person yeah. you i mean there is no way that you if you I, and i've seen them all okay i've seen them well,
2: all you played against them
1: yeah i played I, well not all of them like george mike and his stuff but i saw them all and all the ones that are there, i've seen them And to talk about any center that somebody could say was better than Wilt Chamberlain is just insane. I mean, I mean, as great as Kareem was, as great as other people were, you know, Shaq during his time. And again, if you had your decades, Shaq certainly there, he was the most dominant player in in his time during that time, you know, Kareem certainly during his time, but to say that they were better, Wilt Chamberlain did things that no one will ever do again in the game of basketball
2: did you how- rick you heard that clip of kareem talking about him right how the guy in the elevator i, I showed you that video and- <laughs> so would the wilt have an issue with uh like an insecurity about his height like that's what it sounds no, like it was just
1: kind of funny and stuff I've, i was around did some people say hey what's the weather like up there and he grabbed the guy by the table <laughs> pick him up and say see for yourself and then he let him go <laughs>
2: oh my god for, for the folks listening uh, i'm going to insert this that clip of kareem right now uh right here uh where he's talking about his experience with wilt and somebody asking him how the weather's like up there and he spat on him said yeah. it's raining it's one of the most funniest things ever i'll i'll, I'll insert that right here rick uh, anything else before we go i i these are always a pleasure no, for me part, you know what the
1: best part about the show was for me what's up? taking this
2: uh chris I... mullen is into pickleball Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you love pickleball more than golf. That's that's a bold. Oh God, no, I know. There's not even any
1: comparison between wow. the two. I mean, one's so much more active. I'm an I'm an eight time personality, active, doing stuff. Yeah, golf yeah. is not active. It's true. I mean, true. Not at all. There's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> zero zero Reactionary to the game of golf.
2: That's true. Yeah, you know you're right. They're, zero. You're right. Your reflexes are not tested. Yeah. Zero.
1: Totally zero. Yeah. So I'm excited to know when I come back there that I'll get a chance and get Chris, and I'm going to have to set something up and get to play some pickleball with them. So that's oh. the most exciting thing for me. It was great. All right. Well, thanks so much, as always, you everybody. God bless. Uh, we'll probably be talking to you before the holiday comes. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving. I hope you all get ready for the great holidays that are coming up. And uh, God bless all of you.
2: Presented by Bet Online.